We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And it's already April. Y'all believe that? I mean, I don't know, man. The life of a teacher is weird. Time goes really, really quickly. You know, and you're always, just by the nature of the job, you're always looking at the day, always looking at a calendar, always knowing what day it is, always knowing when your next break is, always knowing when certain holidays, you know, it just comes to the job. But I feel like the year is just flying by. The weirdest thing about this year has just been, at least in California, it's been all the rain. And, but I mean, if you look at, at the, uh, the weather app for at least the Central Valley, things are starting to warm up. You know, for the first time in a while, we've got 72, 68, 71, 77, 83, 74, 65, 66, 68, 73. So we're finally moving into that springtime weather. No rain on the forecast. So which the rain didn't bother me. One, this state is in serious drought and that rain was a godsend for a lot of people. Two, um, I absolutely love the rain. I adore it. It makes me happy. Now, if I lived in like somewhere Northwest, Oregon, Washington, maybe I wouldn't like it so much. Maybe I'd be over it. But I mean, I love the rain. I love it. And part of my love probably comes from the fact that it doesn't rain that often in Fresno. Um, it almost never rained when I was in El Paso. And when it did, it was like gross because there's so much dirt and dust in the air that it just seemed like kind of like gross rain. It's weird. Weird concept. But so anyways, now that we've started this podcast off with what might be the most boring topic you can start any podcast off which is the weather i apologize but it is what it is i'm i'm excited for all the rain um but we're moving on the point of me saying it's finally april was the fact that we're already well into april six days seven days into april and the draft is in like three weeks which is kind of wild it just seems like it's gotten here very fast i think a huge part of that reason is the 49ers uh, have you know they made slash have been making postseason pushes you know which extends the season out two three four weeks at times 
So it just has seen, you know, the 49ers went all the way to the NFC Championship game. So I guess that would make the offseason seem shorter. But um, our goal for today, now I got to preface all of this with saying today's pod should be shorter <laughs> because I am uh, getting married tomorrow morning. Um, yes, the lady and I are finally tying the knot after many, many years of being together. Um, and we're doing that tomorrow morning. Very low key, very chill. Uh, her parents, my parents going to the courthouse, getting married, taking some pictures afterwards. Nothing too extravagant. Uh, neither of us uh, were much for the big wedding. It's just not like kind of our style, I guess you could say. And we like the idea of saving the wedding money and putting it towards a honeymoon, which our official, I am taking a cruise next week, kind of just like a celebratory cruise. But it's just a cruise down to Mexico. Nothing big deal. Just something to do for fun. Um, so there will be no striking gold next week. I apologize, but I'm not going to record when I'm on my cruise. I don't love y'all that much. I do, but I don't. Um, our official honeymoon that we that we booked months ago was an Alaskan cruise over the summer. We are flying to uh, Seattle, Washington, and uh, taking a beautiful cruise ship up into Alaska, which I cannot tell you how excited I am for because... I've just, everything I've ever seen about Alaska just looks beautiful. It just looks amazing. And, uh, and that's where I want to go. And that's where we're going. We got a room with a balcony. It's going to be awesome. So yes, um, by the time you are listening to this now, if it, if it does the right, if, if the podcast does the right thing and just to clue you in on this, for some reason, I guess it's an issue through iTunes. For some reason, this podcast is despite being published like, like at 4am, just like won't show up at times uh tyler the man behind the uh man behind the curtain has tried to contact apple and for some reason sometimes the pod just doesn't release when it's supposed to and then you guys end up getting it like sometime in the afternoon which sucks because the idea is that it's ready for your morning commute but anyways if the podcast comes out at the right time i won't quite be married yet um but if you are listening to this say late morning early afternoon then i will be um so that's exciting i'm very excited for that um Trying to think if there's anything anything else I need to personal I need to throw in there. Nope. But like I said, we'll be going dark next week. Um, but this week I thought maybe we would rank the 49ers draft needs. We've kind of briefly talked about it when we did our our state of the roster podcast, but I figured we could just go through and really briefly hit maybe like the top five positional needs and then uh maybe throw in a few like a couple, two or three positions where I could see them going this direction or I think I labeled them wouldn't surprise me. Um, but first, full stop, big deal, huge, huge deal. I mean, unbelievably huge deal. You can probably already hear the sarcasm kind of leaking through the mic. But I mean, it's still kind of cool, I guess. Um, but Trey Lance is... Where is he at? I'm trying to, I probably should look this up beforehand. But Trey Lance is currently working out with Patrick Mahomes, which means that the Trey Lance we see this offseason and possibly during the start of the regular season will look just like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, once you work out with that player, then your game instantly mirrors theirs. So, I mean, the fact that the 49ers were able to get that workout in with Patrick Mahomes is just going to – I can't wait to see what Trey Lance is, is going to look like. Again, very heavy sar- sarcasm. But it is cool. They have a really, really, really slow-motion shot of Trey Lance throwing a football. That just looks absolutely beautiful. Um, not many conclusions to draw from that, but I mean, hey, you guys needed to know that Trey Lance is working 
with Patrick Mahomes and Mahomes quarterback crew, which for one thing can be said is Trey Lance is, is healthy enough to be throwing the football, to be moving around on the football field. Um, we can't really see if he's taking a full drop back or how much he's moving around, running around and slinging it kind of like his workout. But I mean, uh, a healthy Trey Lance is great for the 49ers. We've talked about this many times. Uh, there is no need to have a quarterback that you root for. The court 49ers quarterback situation is very complicated. And the fact having a healthy Trey Lance ready to compete with Sam, Sam Darnold for that starting spot, uh, until Brock Purdy steps back into the fold is a great thing. Um, whether Trey Lance stays with the 49ers, ends up on another team, doesn't matter. You don't need to think about it that in-depth. Uh, the 49ers have a lot to gain by a healthy and effective Trey Lance. So keep that in your mind as we move forward. Not going to spend too much time on all the other quarterback rumors. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's kind of, it's at this point, it just seems like people are just beating a dead horse for the sake of, of clicks and, and little momentum for their tweets because Kirk Cousins, you know, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk said that there was rumblings or conversations about Kirk Cousins to the 49ers. Like, one, that could just straight up be just not the case. <laughs> and he's just pulling that shit out of a hat. Oh, we haven't mentioned 49ers and free agent quarterbacks in a while. Or some people, some coaches, or some league personnel sitting in a bar mentioned, hey, you think Cousins could still go to the 49ers? I mean, yeah, I guess. It'd be hard, but sure. And then there's your there's your there's your tweet right there. There's your there's your story. Um I it's I mean, I just it's old at this point. Can we stop with the cousins to the 49ers shit? Like they had a chance at cousins. Um, you know, but they ended up trading for Garoppolo. Then Cousins became available. They ended up paying Garoppolo. And it just, it, at this point, it's just silly. Kyle Shanahan talked about it at length not too long ago, saying, like, look, I, I mean, I coached Cousins, I coached Kirk for a few games, and then we got fired and I left. And, I mean, I was into it when I first got to the 49ers because I thought he might be available. But since then, we've gone another direction. Kirk's great. We're great. Everything's great. And it's it's getting a little ridiculous at this point. And the same thing can be said for the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Like, that was maybe something briefly a year over a year ago. But at this point, it, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is due some insanely expensive bonuses. The guy doesn't even seem to be that sold on playing football for that much longer. It seems like he'd rather do weird shit like sit in a dark room and and ponder his, his existence in the universe. And it's just it just doesn't make any sense. Like the 49ers would have to go through hell just trying to squeeze him into the salary cap, um, probably cutting ties with some very prominent players on the roster for a, a guy who's in, at the very twilight of his career. And you don't even know how many years you're going to get out of him. And it's just it's just silly at this point. I think the 49ers have something like two million dollars in salary cap right now. Like, look, I, I get that the salary cap can be twisted and moved and, and you know, manipulated but not quite that much you know you can't just magically create 40 million dollars of salary cap without some serious changes uh no matter what the rams did all those years so i mean i just with all these quarterback rumors take them with a grain of salt in the end the 49ers really like brock purdy and they think that they have a bright future with him and yes he's hurt but that doesn't mean you just start throwing the phone book at other remember the phone book <laughs> It doesn't mean you start throwing, you know, throwing darts at a quarterback, um, you know, dartboard and seeing which one you get. Like the 49ers are in a 
pretty okay position at quarterback. It's not great. You know, they seem like they've always had a problem with quarterbacks, but they've got a Trey Lance who seems to be getting healthy and ready for the offseason program. You can win games with him. You've got Sam Darnold, who the 49ers are pretty uh, you know, excited about his fit in the roster. Uh, they can win games with him. I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that. And then by that time, hopefully, you know, again, you have the Brock Purdy's like that three-month mark, which I think is coming up in like like a month and a half. Where they know, well, they have a much, they'll have a much more accurate representation of how long Brock Purdy's recovery is going to be. Um, but there's a chance that he doesn't even miss a game. There's a chance that he only misses a couple games. And no matter what, I mean, I think the 49ers are are happy with where they're at when the quarterbacks. But to me, the biggest thing, and this was in Kyle Shanahan's reply about Lamar Jackson, was like we're happy with how we've built this team salary cap wise, which means we have cheap quarterbacks. That's why the rest of our team is so good. We're not going to blow all that up just to you know flip the script and have a great quarterback, and then all of a sudden the rest of your team is taking hits. And you know, so I think the 49ers are pretty confident with how they've they've handled the quarterback situation. And we kind of talked about that last time, which reminds me, let me get on here and figure this out. I wanted to just kind of give I, I don't know maybe this is patting myself on the back. I don't know. It, I it kind of seems like it, but it also isn't. Um, hold on. I'm still clicking, still clicking. Um, Aces, Ace San Diego left a a very nice and positive review on our iTunes. Um, I appreciate that, Ace. Thank you very much for that. I'm not going to read the whole review, but um, it was it was just good to read. I do read the reviews, so if y'all feel like uh, blessing the podcast with a with with the same, then go for it. And like I said, if you want to submit a question, kind of for like an anytime any podcast mailbag, leave it in your review. And I will uh, I'll read it on the pod. I'm still working on how I'm working out on how to. I don't know if Spotify allows you to write reviews. I'm gonna have to check that out. I noticed we had I, I finally was able to look at our reviews on Spotify in terms of stars, uh, which is great. I think we're at like a 4.8, which is nice. Uh, but I don't know if uh, maybe I have to do it on a desktop computer if I can get to a point where I can read the reviews. If I can, I will figure that out. I promise. Okay. Let's break down the 49ers draft needs. First, I think we should break down the picks. Okay, What picks do the 49ers have? Um, you probably already know this right now, but the 49ers are starting off with three third-round picks, all compensatory based on the uh, the coaching changes, coaching hires, uh, front office hires that the 49ers have had. In the third round, they have picked 99, 101, and 102. In the fifth round, they have 155, 164, 173. In the sixth round, pick 216. And then they have four seventh round picks, 222, 247, 253, and 255. I'd have to look at the entire draft board. Do the 49ers have the last pick of the draft again? That'd be kind of cool. But anyways, the third and the fifth rounds are obviously the meat of this draft for the 49ers for a few different reasons. One, they're their sixth highest draft pick. So by you know, from a captain obvious metric, of course, the the six highest picks are the most important picks. But as we know from the 49ers, that hasn't always been the case. But if you look at the three third round picks, 99, 101, 102, that's three players essentially in a row. Now there's one team at pick 100 that's kind of interrupting that. Um, but the 49ers can almost they don't have a fourth round pick, so they've got to kind of look at this smartly and say, look, is there anybody 
that we would just be harken, harken, heartbroken that we missed out on that got picked uh, in the fourth round. It's whatever. But they can get three players essentially in a row and kind of like be okay watching that fourth round go by because they got the three players that they wanted. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're taking the three best available players. Um, you know, they're not just looking at their draft board saying, okay, here's our three best available players. Bam, bam, bam. That's who we're picking. I know that I think that every we know that every draft pundit likes to say, you know, always pick best player available. I get it. You you don't want to pass up on talent that you've technically, by your own scouting metric, ranked higher than this other player. But when it comes to having a uh, hard salary cap and trying to maneuver around rosters and build a well-rounded roster with talented players at every position, you can't always just go best player available. Because in the most obvious of situations, what if those three best players of uh, best player available just all happen to be defensive line or you know or off any any position really? And you're kind of like. Like, hey, man, like, why did we just pick three wide receivers at the end of the third round? Something like that. You get what I, my point. It's not always best player available. You have to take into account your roster. Um, so to me, the you know, even the fifth rounders, 155, then you nine picks later, 164, and then nine picks later, 173. That is three players in very close succession where the 49ers can really kind of look at their draft board very i guess what i'm looking for here is the picks are all so close together get together i don't know what's up with my english today i'm like making up words that you can kind of build a package of players like hey here's the three we want here um if one of them goes in between our picks you know they can they can, and they can consider position consider who's you know what they also need to consider are the depths of each position like look if we don't take an offensive lineman here our next best rate, like maybe they're at pick 102 and their highest graded offensive lineman that's available at that point is like 108. So they're kind of skipping six players that they've technically rated better. But then they've looked at their board and they said, our next offensive lineman is not available until like 148. We'll just say that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online 
Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So maybe based on that gap, you're kind of making subtle adjustments, saying, yeah, we technically might be splurging on a, on a certain player, but based on our draft board and our needs, our roster needs, we might not have the luxury of waiting on an offensive lineman until this long because our next pick isn't until 155. So there might be a huge talent drop-off between taking somebody at 102 versus waiting until pick 155 of the fifth round. So that's why I kind of start to push back a little when people bang me the, the best player available drums so much. And I'm like, yeah, but that you cannot just ignore your current roster state. You can't just ignore um, roster needs and what you need to be competitive. Uh, you can't leave a positional position vulnerable. You can't just let a one position balloon like crazy, even though the 49ers almost did that. I mean, technically they didn't if you look at how the roster is constructed now. But, you know, when they were taking first-round defensive linemen like they were candy. But So you guys get my point. I'm not going to harp on it anymore. Let's get into it. So those are their draft picks. It, again, the way that they're going to handle those third- and fifth-round picks, and, and something that, you know, a curveball, Maybe they take one of those fifth rounders and package them with a third rounder and get up into the second round. You know, they could like a player so much that they do that. Although everything that John Lynch has told us, which would never be a lie or an exaggeration or a downplay, um, is that they like the fact that this draft has a lot of depth. All their picks are later and and it makes them easier to kind of maneuver around, not maneuver around, but plan around the fact that they know that there's going to be a certain number of players that they don't even need to watch because they're just not going to be available. They're not going to be within reach. Um, John said that they, in terms of watching players, actually worked from bottom to top. Like they watched their lowest graded but draftable players first and worked their way up just because that's how their whole draft is stacked. What's the point of watching the first 70 or so players, 60 or so players, when you don't pick until pick 99? And sure, somebody could could fall, but that those are the players you spend the least amount of time on. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle those rounds, especially if they make all the picks. Because like I said, it wouldn't surprise me is when they make those picks, especially in the third round, when it's 99-101-102, they've had those three players picked for a while. Now they're, they're going to have to adjust if one of them gets taken or two, whatever. But it's going to be, they're making basically all those three of those picks at the same time. Kind of think of your uh, fantasy football snake draft. You know, if you're... Um, if you did really bad or you did really good in the previous year, you're going to get two picks that are usually in very close succession to each other. And you got to kind of have a plan because you're not coming back around to your pick for a while. So you, despite the fact that it may be a tad early to draft a quarterback, you know that probably before you get to your next pick, a lot of quarterbacks are coming off the board. And you kind of kind of might have, might have to squeeze yours in a little bit early. Now, this isn't the exact same. Y'all get what I mean. First choice for my first, the 49ers. Okay, so 49ers draft needs. Here we go. We start now. My first choice, the 49ers' most obvious and pressing draft need is offensive line. 
right tackle more specifically because the 49ers don't have one. Now, let me walk it back. They do have one, but it's not going to inspire confidence. If Colton McKivitz is the leader in the clubhouse, which we now know is Lynch's favorite saying, to be the starting right tackle, then you 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 got you got problems. Now that's not to say that McKivitz can't actually step into that role and thrive because he's had his his moments um, coming in to replace other offensive linemen where he looks serviceable, but he's not necessarily the person that you 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 hedge your bets on. Like oh we've got him, we're good. You know the 49ers made some additions, but nothing at that position in that particular spot that would inspire any sort of confidence. And so to me. It seems like that is their most glaring draft need, is replacing Mike McGlinchey, who signed a huge contract with the Broncos. But, and here's the problem with having a a genuine need and a a starter missing at that spot, is your pick is 99th. Your earliest pick is 99th. Is the tackle that you pick at 99 going to be starting caliber? I mean, Teams pick tackles in the top 10 that aren't starting caliber, you know, and, and that's obviously a whiff when it comes to drafting. But so you, I say this is their number one need and that this is probably the position that needs to draw the most focus on draft day. But you also have to consider that they're, they're not picking till 99. So even if that is your highest draft need and that is your first pick, is that player going to be capable of stepping in and starting? That's not a, a guarantee. It's far from it. So while right tackle might be their most obvious choice, it certainly isn't like, hey, let's just take them with 99 and we're good to go because you have to you have to hit on that pick and that player has to be able to come in and and at least compete with Colton McKivitz for that job and maybe eventually be able to take it from him by the end of the season. So, you know what I mean? It's just there's there's a lot of question marks there when it comes to taking a player at the back end of the third round that you have too high of expectations for and maybe the 49ers are are higher on fourth year backup Colton McKivitz than we are, um, than I am. I'm not necessarily down on him, but it's just not somebody you would expect to have that role solidified, you know, and maybe that's something the 49ers feel like they can wait on until next year when they actually have a first round pick. But um even then, I'm sure the 49ers are planning on the pick, that pick being late in the first round. And uh, and even then, it's it's not the odds of you really snagging somebody that is one of those, you know, blue collar offensive linemen that can step right in. Remember, Mike McGlinchey was drafted what tenth overall, if I'm not mistaken. I I, I mean, I can't remember, but it, it certainly isn't. There's a lot of question marks there. Now, no, you know what? Actually, number two, I've got edge rusher now. There's actually the next the next four, next three. We'll say next three. I'm really was kind of I, I honestly my two my second third and fourth choices can all be mixed around and I would have no argument with it whatsoever. Um, but I went edge rusher mainly because of positional value. Let's go ahead and step into the now. The, it's hard to just look at necessarily the the roster and and name just the edge rushers but as far as the edge rushing group you've got Austin Bryant who they just recently signed he's going to play a rotational role you have the Nick Bosa you've got who else in here technically qualifies a defensive lineman Jake Draxon Draxon Jake Drake 
Jackson. That's what I'm going to call him from now on. Drake Jackson. Now that's one we're going to touch on again for a little bit. They signed uh, Cleveland Farrell, the uh, top five pick, former top five pick out of the Raiders. Um, so he's, you know, their, their group outside of Nick Bosa doesn't necessarily inspire a whole lot of confidence. So it's, it's more of a, a, about a positional value where like, look, you want somebody opposite Nick Bosa. Yes. But you also just want to take as many shots at edge rushers as you always can. It's kind of what you hear said about quarterbacks all the time. Like, look, if you've got enough picks and you have the luxury draft a quarterback in every draft, because the, the, the benefits the possible benefits of hitting on that player are just monumental you know like the 49ers just decided to take a shot at Brock Purdy with the last pick of the draft and now there is a chance that he has altered the destiny of the entire franchise i'm not and that's not me exaggerating they they like Purdy a lot they think i mean just think back to last season how much better the 49ers offense got with a brand new rookie in Purdy, you know, they just took a swing on a quarterback and it looks like they might've hit. I'm dancing around that a little bit. And that might've changed the franchise. So to me, edge rusher is the same. Not only do they not have anybody opposite Nick Bosa that inspires any confidence from any of us, but it's also a position that is second only to quarterback on the football field. Having a dynamic and effective edge rusher changes the game for a defense. You don't need to tell them 49ers that they've got Nick Bosa. But so when you're looking at those first three picks in the third round, I, I, I think that unless you're just completely down on all of the talent that's available, like, like there's just no one on your board that comes close to measuring up to that draft slot, then I guess, you know, you have to pass on it. But, Edge rusher is just such a key position that it's you need to take swings at that spot and you need to take them as early as you can because that's just one that sees a very steep drop off in talent. Um, they they just go early, they go often, they go a lot, and then they're gone. So it wouldn't surprise me if one of those first three picks was an edge rusher because you've got you know and everybody a lot of people are going to say, well, what about Drake Jackson? Well, unfortunately for both Jackson and the 49ers, he was you know. Without saying it, you know, that player was a huge disappointment last year. And he had his his moments, he had his place, but he essentially was booted from his spot because he was out of shape and he wasn't strong enough. And there were even things when he came out of college and when he was drafted that said, well, is he an edge rusher? Is he a defensive lineman? He lost weight. He gained weight at times. He played light. He played heavy. And it's just like, why is there so much talk about this dude's weight? And is this going to be a problem? And there was even a time, I can't remember whether it was at training camp or it was at some point before that where I saw Drake Jackson. He was wearing like a compression shirt. And I was like, this dude's got a little bit of extra. Like, you can tell when a defensive end or defensive lineman has weight that they need to have because they've got to be able to pack a punch when they move forward. And then you can tell when a defensive lineman or a defensive end has extra weight. And it was clear that Jackson had a little bit extra weight that wasn't him doing any good. And then by the end of the season, he was being made inactive. The coaches came out and said he didn't get strong enough. He was, he wasn't, he was getting tired and they had to sit him. 
And, and that's that's a huge problem. So the 49ers are in a position where they could really use him. And if he if they're not getting the impression based on his personality, you know, that's such a big element of the 49ers draft philosophies and finding guys that just have the mentality. They would the 49ers unquestionably would rather take a guy that is less talented, um, has accomplished less, but his mentality they deem is where it needs to be, that that person can take himself where he needs to go. And I feel like they might have missed on that a little bit with Jarek Jackson. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's about to, to show up. But for a player in his rookie year to um, to be and, and drafted late in the second round, somebody who they, they figured would see some serious reps, at least split time with you know Samson Ibukam, didn't end up doing anything because he just was out of shape. And he was too weak. And that's for the coaches to come out and say that says a lot. And so he's got a lot of work to do. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, the fact that the 49ers took Drake Jackson doesn't sway what I feel like they should do in this draft. They need to keep taking swings at that position until they find one that's going to, uh, is going to be able to be effective opposite Nick Bosa, especially when you think about all the guys that they lost at that spot. You've got Charles Omenehu, uh, Samson Ebukam. Um, this, those are two players that came in and, and played some quality snaps for the 49ers, and now they are elsewhere. And so the 49ers need to keep taking swings at that spot. And Drake Jackson has a big opportunity, but they cannot afford to just say, oh, we drafted him, you know, we'll be okay. That's that's just not 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 the case. Now, I can go back and forth on these next two. Technically, for number three, I have tight end. At that position for the 49ers, you've got George Kittle, Charlie Warner, Was, Was, Ross Dwelly. It's always seemed like it's just George Kittle and then the guys. You know, nobody else, Ross Dwelly has had his moments. Charlie Warner's made a couple catches. But for the most part, it's George Kittle and then somebody else. Um, you know, obviously you had the, the infamous Tyler Croft play, which might be the most unceremonious exit of a of a player of all time but there's just nobody else behind behind George Kittle that gives the offense any potency any I mean sure they might be great blockers but I could see the 49ers really looking to add a playmaker opposite Kittle that might take a little bit of heat off Kittle that gives the 49ers another large target somebody to go to in the red zone um, young quarterbacks always prefer to throw to tight ends. They're closer and they're bigger. They're not at the perimeter. They're easier targets. So when some, and I, I know this is draft is considered very deep at tight end. So I wouldn't necessarily consider tight end. I don't know, man. It, it, I, I wrestle with myself as you can see, I, I can see the, that, you know, and not to mention the fact that Kittle seems like somebody who's going to be with the 49ers for a while, but he's been on his new contract for a couple of years now. Um, who knows what could happen in that regard? It would be it would behoove the 49ers to get a player that can sit behind him for a couple of years and really learn the way George Kittle plays ball because if there's one person to model yourself after, there's probably not a better person on this roster than Kittle. He's everything you could ever want in a football player. Um, so I could see the 49ers really taking a hard look at a lot of tight ends. Now, I, I, I would prefer that they target a tight end that has some genuine receiving chops that can really make a difference in the pass game. But that said, just by the nature of where the 49ers play ball, 
they're not going to just accept a tight end that cannot do what he does in the run game. You know, they're not just going to accept a tight end that cannot hang when when it comes to run blocking. So that really, you know, of course, every NFL team would love a tight end that can catch and run block like George Kittle, but that's what the 49ers are going to be looking for. So it'll be interesting to see if they do go tight end, if they're willing to ease up on the run blocking requirements, so the run blocking prowess in favor of a tight end that can really just make a difference in the pass game. We'll see. But that's what I have as the 49ers' number three draft need. And again, I could easily see that being switched out with our next draft need, which, and look, I'm going to admit out, right out front, I cheated. Okay, I put defensive back. All right, I cheated. All right, I cheated. Sue me. Okay. I was wrestling with cornerback. I was wrestling with safety. They re-signed Deshaun Gibson on a one-year deal. He's slated to be the, their starter. That said, he's been in the NFL for 12 years. Okay, and then beneath him beneath him at the strong safety position is Talanoa Hufonga. And then behind those two guys, you're kind of like, uh, I don't know. You've got Miles Hartsfield that they just signed from the Carolina Panthers. You've got uh, Taylor Hawkins. Um, you've got George Odom. You know, who's mainly known for his special teams prowess. So it's it, there's not a whole lot of depth behind there. And it, would it kill the 49ers to have a young stud safety that kind of learns behind somebody like Deshaun Gibson, who's probably just going to be here for this year? <clears throat> Excuse me, voice kind of crapped out on me a little bit. So I could really see them going safety, but I could also really see them going cornerback. You know, the, the competition opposite Charvarius Ward is wide open. Now, Diamandor Lenore looks like he started to kind of assume that job. He looked like he was getting his feet underneath him, and he was playing pretty solid. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley tore his ACL last year. Those two, Ward and Mosley, were seen like, bam, bam, one and two, lockdown. We're confident in both of these two, but Ward tore his ACL and is now out the door, I believe, headed to the Lions, if I'm remembering correctly. And Diamandor Lenore is, again, the leader in the clubhouse, as you can say. but. There's not a whole lot, you know, you got Ambry Thomas back there. Is he somebody that you're really counting on to push the Amador Lenore for that role? He's had his moments, um, but there's not really anybody on the other side of, of Ward that gives you any confidence that they've got that spot locked down. Forget things about Quantrez Knight. Um, Isaiah Oliver, who was signed out of the Falcons, he's somebody that's kind of expected to come in and compete for that nickel spot role, but then you've got, Sam Womack, who's probably going to be competing with Oliver for the nickel role. And then you've got Diamondor Lenore and you've got Ambry Thomas. So there's definitely some room there for, for competition. And it's it, like edge rusher, having a competent corner at, out on that defense just yields great results for, for a group. So important position, premium position. Um, maybe that, maybe I'm undervaluing it. Maybe that should go all the way up to number two above edge rusher. Uh, just now that you're looking at that position, you're like, man, there's really not a lot there anymore. Um, sure. If Diamondor Lenore works out, that's great. But the 49ers have also struggled with injury and should that happen, who's going to be the guy to step in? So, uh, that's rough, but whether it's safety or corner, I could see them going that route. And then last, so let's recap number one of number one need offensive line more specifically, right tackle. Number two, edge defender opposite Nick Bosa. Trent Jackson hasn't earned that role 
yet. Um, number three and four, you could interchange them if you want to. And again, maybe maybe defensive back could shoot all the way up above edge rusher. But you've got tight end, somebody behind next to George Kittle that can add some more um, dynamic playmaking to the offense. And then you've got defensive back, somebody behind Deshaun Gibson that could compete for that starting role or at the very least learn from him and take the, take the ball and run with it, kind of like how Talanoa Hufunga did. Um, or you can go corner somebody to compete with Diamador Lenore and maybe Thomas opposite Charvarius Ward and to be a quality backup if, if the worst happens. And then the fifth draft need, probably the one that everybody sees coming to, I'm going to go kicker. Why not? Why not go kicker? Because um, the 49ers don't really have one. Now, they do. They do. They do have a kicker. They traded for Zane Gonzalez from the Panthers, I believe. Uh, but as crazy as it, as it seems, he has struggled with injury. He didn't play last year, and he struggled with injury the year before. So he was actually really good. I mean, I could bring him back up again now that we're in the conversation, but the last time Zane Gonzalez was on a football field, he was actually really good. Let me pull it up real quick. But, you know, a kicker that struggles with injury, that's kind of scary. All right. I don't know what your 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 site's doing here, Pro Football Reference, but I, I need my kicker stats. I need it now. Hopefully, because you guys won't know this because we're going to edit it out, but while I was recording the first half of this podcast, the internet kicked off, and thankfully I was able to to save it. And right now I can't really get – any site to load. So it's making me kind of nervous in terms of uh, the recording that's going on right now. So I'm trying to build up some suspense, but I am, uh, I am not having great success in pulling up Zane Gonzalez's stats. It's just sitting here loading. Um, but my podcast is still recording, so I'm going to keep talking. Um, so we'll ignore the stats. Last time he was on the football field, he was actually pretty damn good. But it was a trade for like a late round draft pick. I don't know it was con- if it was conditional in like next year's draft. So there's not a whole lot going on there that really means the 49ers are locked into Zane Gonzalez. So maybe taking a kicker and with the very last pick in the fifth round um, seems like now, again, I you never know where kickers are going to go. Sometimes they go in the fourth. I don't think anybody's touching them in the third. Not that it hasn't happened, but it depends. It depends on how bad the 49ers feel they need a kicker and how bad the 49ers want a specific kicker because coveting one specific player can really, you know, drive you to do some crazy things. But I just think the 49ers, they have a kicker, technically, not somebody that inspires confidence. And if you're going to let go of Robbie Gold, one of the greatest kickers of all time, that's probably going to the Hall of Fame, you should probably get yourself a good kicker. And, uh, the, uh, you know, going after a kicker in the draft is always so tough. Um, you see teams constantly whiff on on draft kickers, drafting kickers, but the 49ers have put themselves in that spot. Technically, they could still bring back Robbie Gold, who has not been signed by another team. Maybe they're playing a very hardcore game of of chestnut checkers, but if you're not if you're if your only kicker is Zane Gonzalez, you gotta do something about that. Um now, could I have easily swapped that position out for another position? Like one of the two I'm about to mention, yes, absolutely. My two choices for would not surprise me if the 49ers went this route are wide receiver and linebacker. They just lost Aziz Al-Sayer, who played a significant amount of snaps on that defense. 
there's been trade rumors floating around about Brandon Ayuk, which would be stupid. But then think about it. You've got Debo Samuel. You've got Brandon Ayuk. Who's behind them? If you were to remove one of them, your receiving core now has very little bite to it. Jawan Jennings may um, may this may be his last year. Uh, a team may want to pay him a little bit more money, and the 49ers offered him a tender this year, so he could be out the door after this year. Uh, Danny Gray, we don't know anything about. Uh, you know, we know he runs fast. That's about it. There's really nobody behind Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel that is like, hey, we can rely on this guy, not even a little bit. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they if they went wide receiver, maybe even knowing that, yes, Brandon Ayuk is going to be around this year, and John Lynch said they were going to pick up the fifth-year option, but somebody that uh, if a team comes calling and they're like, hey, we're going to give you our first-rounder for Brandon Ayuk, and they're, we're picking 16th. And you're like, that's something we have to seriously think about, but now we have to uh, replace that player. You know, stuff like that. They just... No disrespect to Juwan, third and Juwan, but right now it's Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, and then that's it. So it wouldn't surprise me if they went that route. And again, wouldn't surprise me if they went linebacker because they lost uh, one of their key players there behind Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. You know, we'll see. We'll see what they do. That's that's officially being listed as a wouldn't surprise me along with wide receiver. So, I mean, there it is. Let's recap one more time. Ranked number one, right tackle, offensive line. Number two, edge defender. Number three, tight end. Number four, defensive back. I know I cheated. Number five, kicker. And also, wouldn't surprise me, wide receiver and linebacker. And that's what we got for you. Uh, I, I will try to commit myself to researching these positions, to getting you some player names that, that I could see them going after. I have not looked into any draft prospects so far other than the ones that everybody's heard about. But now that we've kind of established the positions, the needs, where we can see them going, then we can start diving into specific players. And uh, we got a few more weeks before the draft. We'll get into it. Actually, you know, with me and Gubby being gone next week, we should have two weeks to, uh, to get into some positions and some specific players and get you guys some recommendations to take a look at. Um, but again, um, I will not be here next week. Uh, there will be no striking gold next week because I am uh, will be on a cruise celebrating my marriage that will be taking place either as you listen to this, took maybe shortly after you listen to this, maybe it just took place. It's happening Friday morning. Um, I'll be a married man. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm on. Uh, her, she and I have been together for a long time, and it's uh, an excited. I'm excited to uh, finally tie the knot. And uh, move on with the next stage of our life. Um, my full name, like I said, is Robert Newton Louder V. The pressure's on, ladies and gentlemen. But um, I appreciate all you guys. Uh, thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for being a constant part of the podcast. Thank you for being such a huge part of my life. Um, if Again, your ultimate form of support is to just be here listening. Uh, if you feel so inclined, head to iTunes, head to, head to Spotify, leave us a positive review if you feel like we've deserved it. Tell your friends about it. Rate, comment, subscribe, all that great stuff. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. But uh, all good things must come to an end. And for another week, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out.